Like, I, my dream is to dance naked under a full moon. I think I think that dream can come true in this lifetime. Yeah, I feel like I could probably do it like the next full moon. You want to join me? Sure. That'll be our next trip. <laughs> or our next podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez, purpose and intuition coach. And I'm Melissa Grushka, and myself is high. <laughs> because this week... That was a good transition. We're going to talk about your higher self. Are you ready? I'm ready because I actually have a ton of questions. All right, let's do it. Hi, Bean. Green? Bean? What's going on? Nothing. What's going on with you? How was your week? I don't know. I'm kind of still coming down from the Nashville experience. The Nashville is Am I allowed to say that? No, you is it too it. is it too far removed? I just feel like no, I literally it. came home different. So I like am still kind of vibing on this new vibe. This new frequency. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't like I don't hate that. I don't hate I don't that. either. And the kids are wrapping up school and like, you know, there's another like transition in the seasons and there's just like a lot of transition right now. There's so much end of school yeah. is like a full time job. Full time. It's crazy. For real. Like, I don't even think I know. Both All four of our kids are, quote unquote, graduating this year. So we've got two getting promoted out of elementary school and two getting promoted out of middle school, junior high. Right. And I don't even think I know all four dates. <laughs> My like... oldest is exiting elementary school as well yeah. into middle. Yeah. And my youngest is graduating preschool, although he will remain oh. at his school for kindergarten. But he's like done with the preschool years. He's ready for the big kid stuff. But it's hard to keep track of. And then it's like, send it these is. pictures. Today is wear yellow day to celebrate. It's like, come and on. come in. Keep coming in for all the events. I'm yeah. like, what? Stop winning awards. I don't, Stop. I'm done. <laughs> I'm um, tired. I'm tired. Anyway, so that's what's happening here. I don't, do we have any, do you have any cringy moments from your week, Bean? My only cringy things was, there was a, an event at the elementary school for both of my kids, and I forgot both times to send them in with what they needed. And the first time it happened, I'm, I'm very on top of things. I'm not usually like a delinquent mother. The first time it happened, I'm like, this is so unlike me. Like, I can't believe I forgot it. And then the event was a few days later for my younger one, and I forgot <laughs> to send her in with money again. Oh no, that's okay. I know. I, I I know it was. It wasn't even that cringy, but I was like, who am I? Like this is so unlike me. I'm just a little scatterbrained. You? I'm telling you, there's a lot going on. Me. Um, well, my daughter had a performance for her theater class that we went to, and she's just using this theater class, honestly, as a way to hang out with her friends. So we got an email from the teacher last week being like she is not paying attention. She's laughing no. with her friends. Four moms got the same email. The four no, friends, I don't believe The group it was of her. four. It's so unlike her, right? I don't believe um, it. Anyway, she and I had a really good talk. She went and apologized. But then the performance happened and we're standing outside after the performance and the teacher walked over and we hadn't really like met because in junior high, you don't meet the teachers. And I extended my hand. And I was like, oh, hi, I'm Maury Fontanez, Raina's mom. And you could just see <laughs> the look what? on her face. I don't know. It just kind of – it like – Teachers are usually like happy to meet me because my kids have right? been good students. And this was the first time I got like a, oh, you're right. I don't. Mom. <laughs> I refuse to believe it. I think you're, I think you're telling it wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm telling it wrong. It wasn't that cringy. It was just funny. I've like never, right. I've never been in that situation where the teacher's like, oh, interesting. But it was, it was uh, fine. Performance. Our cringe okay. moments are kind of on the same level. I know. They're very parenty. They're very parenty and sort of like, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> Where am I now? I think that speaks to our phase in life. Anyway, all right. Should we do the thing? Yeah, I think we – I really feel like I personally, and I guarantee listeners, several listeners as well, just need like a really – I wouldn't say – I don't want to say baseline because I'd like you to get a little deeper, but like a, a – I feel like we need a solid foundation about what what you mean when you say higher self since you reference it oh. 75 times when we talk. <laughs> Which I think is fair. It's the work that you do. But like, yeah, I feel a lot of people are like, hire what? Who's a what? I'm high yourself. <laughs> I am high. Uh, right. Oh, right. So hence your intro. Um, That's no, right. Thank true. you. Good tie back. You know, if this was a year and a half from now, I'd just be like, buy the book because the all knowing you is currently being written by me to explain wow. this. But still but do buy the book. Buy the book when it's time. We'll let you know then. Don't worry. We'll talk about it a ton. You're going to be sick of the book, but still hopefully no, you buy it. I'll be in every bookstore <laughs> shouting from the rooftops. Um, 
Okay. Hopefully but with my shirt buttoned. We're a while away. Yeah. Okay. I, I do think we should spend some time on this concept because I think I bring it up a lot. Um, what do you want to know? Where should we start? I want to know. Big for, thing. I, is this too, is it too general for me to ask like, what is it? Oh, what is your higher self? No, I love that question. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. So in my work, I use the term higher self a lot. I'm not the only one. It, you know, a lot of people use this term higher self. My definition of higher self is that it is the aspect of each of us that is our soul speaking to us. And what I mean by that is it is an aspect that is not weighed down by the pain, suffering, trauma, discomfort of the human experience. It is the soulful aspect of us. It is our spirit's unweighed down manifestation. So it is the version of us that it is, it's the closest to being divine. How can you access that? when we are so clouded and weighed down with all of those things. And it only, I feel like we get more weighted down as life throws us more curveballs. Yes. By the book. No. Um. <laughs> okay. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> We're done. Okay. So let me, before I tell you that, I want to tell you what it's not. Cause I think that the word higher in higher yes. self sounds like there's a judgment to it. Higher self does not mean that it's a better version of yourself or a version of yourself that holds more value. In fact, if you think of us as a spectrum, we have versions of ourselves in our younger days that are still stuck in whatever pain they went through that have created a lot of limiting beliefs about what it takes to get love and be valuable. And they still and like oper- coping mechanisms kind of. Yeah, they still at? operate within us as a way to protect us. So if you were five years old and you loved being outdoors and that made you really happy and you felt connected to something that felt magical, you're sensing your higher self, you're sensing your soul right there, that connection to something that feels like magic inside you. And when you then turn to dad who is tired from a day at work and is like, let's go, it's time to get in the car and really kind of shuts that down. Right. That five-year-old version of yourself makes a decision in that moment that, oh, I need to do the thing that's going to make dad happy right now. And so we build this limiting belief that, um, for example, that level of curiosity that we have in that moment is too much. So one common story that we create in our youth is I'm too much or I'm not enough. It's either one or the other. And that is based on people's reactions to us because we don't understand yet that everyone's in their own hurricane. Everyone is dealing with healing their own traumas and limiting beliefs, even our parents. And so when that gets projected onto us, without even meaning to most of the time, we as children begin to believe that we are not enough or we are too much because we're facing their reaction. We're facing their trauma. So there's aspects of us that are trapped in those belief systems of not being enough or being too much because we are we watched our parents react from a place of their own need to heal. If though if you follow the spectrum, there's different versions of us then throughout that spectrum at different ages that have different belief systems. And so when we in our current state are making a decision about something like that feels let's say risky, let's say you're going to leave a job or a marriage or move to a different state those aspects of us that are still inside of us operating to protect us are going to start sharing their limiting beliefs. They're going to say, don't do it because it's dangerous. Don't do it because you don't have what it takes. Don't do it because you're not enough, right? All of those same limiting beliefs that have been with us all along re-emerge in those moments and fill our heads with what we need to be afraid of because their job is to protect us because they initially were hurt. I'll stop Can here. Can I interject? There question? Yeah. yeah. There is a question. Could you tell by my face? Was it like falling out of my <laughs> you mouth? Were like, and it was really, it was really even a, a much tinier point. What you're saying is much larger than what my question is going yeah. to be. But I, I got stuck on when you said um, it's coming from like your parents' trauma. 
and what they're sort of putting on you. And I'm thinking, does it always have to be from necessarily their trauma or just kind of who they are? Like, you know, their personality might be very different from your own. And that as a child may feel very intimidating and off-putting and may create limiting belief systems. But I'm curious if it always has to be from a place of trauma or just a person. Why do you? Because <laughs> I'm so excited about this question. Oh, you are. This I was kind of going to think you. Oh, I was kind of nervous you were going to feel like this is so not the point. But I didn't. I was just stuck on the trauma because I I don't want to think that we're all only operating from a place of trauma. I think there are some like just natural parts of our personality that we're born with. Yeah, beautiful question. I'm going to finish you. the spectrum exercise so I can Please answer do. your question. Great, because I think it's relevant. Um, so I'm, I promise I'm going to get back to it because it's a very, very important question. As we grow older, we have different limiting beliefs, as I was saying, that jump in to then protect us as we're in our current age. If you follow that spectrum all the way, let's say, to the right side of this line, imaginary line I'm creating, there is an aspect of us that is so connected to our power, our um, magnificence, our value, our connection to something greater that really is coming from an abundant space of love, of yes, you can, of you by existing are value. Your existence is enough value. Your truth is everything. Your truth matters. Everything that you feel and believe holds value. There is an aspect of us that truly is connected to that abundance, that power, which is what I say is divine, right? If we say we're all divine, what that means is that we are created with the ability to create. When we have thought, I think talked about this on another episode, when we have thought, when we have consciousness of something, we're able to perceive it right? And that ability to have consciousness, if we weren't conscious, we wouldn't be able to perceive even existing. It was the manifestation episode. Yeah. Yes. So the power of just having consciousness makes us powerful beings because with that consciousness, we create our reality. And that is what I mean when I say we are all divine is that we can all create. And if we create from this, this centered place of your power, your value, um, your purpose, what you're here on the planet to do, then you have a more open, abundant approach and mindset. So to answer your question, when I say trauma, and it's okay, stop me if I'm saying things that feel intangible. No, no. I It just always leads to more questions for me, but do answer that one. Okay. When you ask me the question of, does it always have to be trauma from your parents? Right. My definition of the word trauma is a separation from that truth, that you are valuable, that you are abundant, that you are a creator, that you are powerful. That in any place in our journey, when we are separated from that truth of who we are really, of the inherent value we hold just by existing, of the inherent power we hold by being embodied human beings who can create and manifest. When you are separated from that truth for any reason, you're experiencing trauma. So I think, yes, all of our parents have experienced that separation from their own higher self, from their own truth, from the gem that is who they are. And because they're separated from that, they project that as they raise us and it separates us from our truth. That's trauma. Now, trauma is also way, way, way yes. bigger than that. But when I'm using, tra- when I'm using trauma, if you want to look at that at its like at its core, it's a separation from your value. Uh, some people are separated like by word. Well, no, because For some me. people are separated by their value in ways that are verbal, in ways that are nonverbal, and some people are separated by their value through neglect and abuse. But it is still Even- a separation of your value. Even in the example you gave, um, which then immediately got me into my head about my own parenting, like you were saying, you're in nature, you're experiencing, you're five, you're loving it, you're having a magical time, and your parent comes home tired from work, which is fine. And that's not a trauma reality. I don't think that's being... I don't think that's being removed from your highest self. I think you're just tired from working a long day and is in a little bit of a grumpier way than normal says, come on, we're leaving, rather than maybe a coworker bother them, whatever it is. Um, They're just a little tired. 
and grumpy. And they say, come on. And then all of a sudden your five-year-old magic is shut down, which I totally understand. But I don't believe that the parent in that dynamic is necessarily coming from your definition of trauma. Like they could just be tired. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that it's you're always supposed to walk around in this ethereal divine sense of like everything is beautiful. We are human. We're tired. Right. Right. I think it's it's not just about um, being tired. It's about not seeing the individual across from us and the space they're in, even when they're our kids and seeing past them because of whatever's going on with us. And I think that our trauma as parents causes us to be in our minds because of whatever's going on with us during that day, which is not us being in line with our higher selves in that moment because we're in our heads replaying whatever it was that stressed us out, that's creating anxiety in our minds because those limiting beliefs are louder than the higher self who, if you tap in, is like, you're good. You are good and this is okay and these are all the ways that you're powerful. And when you're embodied in that state, when you see the child also embodied in that state, you at least have recognition for it rather than shutting it down and not seeing it. Oh, that I think is key is that what you're saying in that moment to do with your child is say, I know you love nature and this feels special and I'm sorry that it has to come to an end. Yes. It's about the tone and the language and and the energy you are projecting. And I think that- That I can get behind for sure. Right. And I think that all of us are operating in our own heads, Yeah, which does not come from a higher self energy. And the reason we're in our own heads is because of all these limiting belief systems that are constantly playing on repeat in our minds, trying to protect us. Oh, did you see the way that she talked to you at work today? That means this, 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 you're fired by the time you get home in your mind, right? Like our anxiety replays and replays and replays and creates a whole world in our minds. Your higher self is pure presence in the moment. Your higher self is not projecting any fear. It is pure presence in the moment of like, oh, look, you're standing here. Look at the grass. Look at your child across from you. Look how excited they are. And you're in that presence rather than in the limiting belief. Which naturally allows for greater empathy because you're aware and you're exactly like you just said. Yes, exactly. Wait, so you asked me though, how do you connect to it? And I said, I just wanted to start with how it's not, what it's not. I want to make sure people, when they hear me say higher self, I'm not saying that those parts of us that are in limiting beliefs, our human selves, are less than. They are also really important aspects because they have needs that they're trying to convey to us, right? When they're They're not higher self? Yeah. Parts of us? Okay. Absolutely. They have human needs that we need to take care of. I need love. I need safety. I need connection. And so actually, I'm going on a tangent, but I'll connect it all. I feel like a lot of this is a tangent that will come together in the end as one. Yes. (laughs) When you feel that fear or anxiety that's being projected by these limiting beliefs of your younger selves, the way to hear your higher self, I'm actually going to answer your question, is by first looking at the fear and anxiety voice, not trying to avoid it. We try to avoid it and it just plays on repeat in our heads, right? We try to avoid it by drugs and by uh, everything, all of our uh, vices. Yes. So we're we're trying to run away from it. And what I always tell my clients is, I want you to imagine yourself running away from a little kid who's begging for your attention. That's what you're doing. When you ignore the fear, when you ignore the anxiety, all you're doing is running away from a little version of you that's like, no, 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 wait. I just am trying to get your attention. So if you can envision it as your younger self at whatever age, five, six, seven, whatever limiting belief system was implanted at whatever time, and you're able to look at it, just stop in the moment and be like, I see you. I see you there. And I tell my clients, envision you at five or seven. And in your mind's eye, just see it because it wants to be seen. And then here's how you train it not to project fear and anxiety. What you say is, what do you need right now? Not what are you trying to protect me from? What do you need? So if the voice is saying, oh my God, don't leave your job. Don't leave your job. Oh my God, we have to be safe. You look at it. I see you. And I see you're really scared. What do you actually need? Well, I need to feel safe. That's the need, right? Right. Then you're learning how to 
address your own needs and really get clear on what your needs are rather than focus on the fear that's projecting the worst case scenario. And then you get to really think about how do I make sure my needs are met as I embark on whatever I'm embarking on. And as you do that work of hearing the need instead of the fear and anxiety, you're clearing room in your mind, right? Because now the thing isn't running on repeat. You're clearing that noise and you get to tap into higher self because the noise has decreased. And then you get to check in with your most knowing, centered, abundant self about the same thing. That I have to leave my job is really what you're saying is your higher self saying, you need to leave this job. You need to leave this job. But you're so clouded by fear of not being safe and not whatever, which again is slightly privileged. Like you, you do to be safe. You have to be financially secure in a lot of ways which I think is why a lot of people don't leave their jobs. How would you speak to that in terms of if your higher self is saying, you got to leave, you got to leave, but you're like, I can't leave. I need this money. I think what I'm saying is that the I can't leave, I need this money is being projected by fear because there is another way. If you listen to higher self, it will present another way. And actually now I think it's time to be clear how your higher self speaks to you, how this deep divine wisdom aspect speaks to you is through your intuition. That's its language. How do you know once you hit it that that's your higher self and not just like you're not higher self that feels like it might be your higher self, like your unintuitive self? They feel very, very different. And this is how they feel different. First of all, your intuition, which is your higher self speaking to you. So now we can start saying intuition when we're talking about receiving messages from higher self. Your intuition does not have emotion attached to it. It comes through very clear and calm. It's I keep saying to people, it's like a period at the end of a sentence. It is just, it feels like fact when you hear it. There's no emotion attached to it. That's the first way you tell. The second way is, energetically, it is a calmer, more settled feeling than it does create any kind of consternation or frenetic energy or it doesn't drain you. It's, it is a knowing. When I say knowing, what does that mean to you? When I say when you just know, what does that mean? Um, clarity. Does it feel draining? No, I say almost more empowering. Like, I know this is the right thing. Even if you can't act on it, you're like, I know this is the right answer. Yes. Does even though does it, yeah, does it feel emotional? Yeah. No, just sort of like when you know something. I feel like everybody can relate to that. Like, yes, you just know it. Like I just, just know. know yeah, you just know. I, I'm trying to think of some groundbreaking example, but I can't because I really think everyone's had at least one moment in their life where they're like, "I just know this," or like, you "What just is your?" Know it. I, I often ask people when they come to me with an issue or a problem. Like the one of the first things I say is like, "What does your gut say?" which I guess is basically like, what is your higher self saying? What is your gut telling you? Because often our gut is not wrong. Yes, because it's not attached to old belief systems and it's not attached to fear or anxiety. But I often think now that we're saying it, there are some people who do, who I have communicated with who do not trust their gut. Yes, because this is a whole different topic. (laughs) And I don't know if you're ready to go there. Oh, I'm ready. We have been trust, we have been taught not to trust our intuition because we are taught not to trust ourselves. We are taught that other people have better answers than we do. And we're taught that in three ways. We're first taught that when we're children and we see that what our truth and natural desires and natural abundance and joy and exuberance is met with a shutdown. We believe To get the love of the person, we have to shut it down. We have to shut down this inner world to get the love and acceptance of the other person. So we learn to trust them over ourselves. Yes, your hand is up. I'm raising my hand. (laughs) Because the first thought that comes to mind, I don't mean to be devil's advocate all the time, but this is something that I struggle with totally wrapping my head around, even though I get it sometimes, but other times I'm like, what about this example? For Mm -hmm. example, a child, a five-year-old wants to eat cookies for breakfast. That's Mm -hmm. what they're literally, their intuition is telling them, you want cookies right now. And they're going to be like, that's not what their intuition is telling them. What's who's telling them that? 
What that's a nat that comes from a natural place. All kids ask. They want it. That's what they want. They want to do this. They want to stay up too late. But we as parents, it is our job to guide them towards healthier choices and safer decisions in life. Otherwise, they'd be running amok. I think the distinction here is action versus expression. I think that you're focused on, when I say desires, you're thinking of the actions that they want to take to get their needs met. That is... um, that is the more human element of us, that there's actions. There's, I want the cookie. I want to stay up late. Those are actions. I think the differentiation here is self-expression is what I mean when I'm talking about higher self in a child. It yes. is expressing themselves in their truth and being met by, I don't get you. I don't have time for you. You're making me uncomfortable. This is inconvenient for me right now in this moment. Your so self-expression. I- This is really helpful, I think, for parenting in particular. So like a nice example then of what you would respond to a child who says, I want cookies for breakfast, instead of saying, no, that's ridiculous, saying, I bet you do. Cookies are super yummy, but they don't fuel our brain the way we need to get our day started correctly. And what are you really needing right now? What do you really need? What do you really want? I think they really want a cookie. Can I say that? I do. (laughs) I mean, I think five-year-olds want cookies for breakfast. But what's the cooking? What is the cookie doing for them? It's it's delicious. Why can't that just be a fact? Like uh, cookies are delicious and I want one for breakfast. Absolutely. But when we ask them, what is it you really need? Cookies are delicious. Okay, they make me feel good. Okay, what are some other things that would make you feel good right now? Right? right? So that's a way of navigating them with, with allowing their truth and their self-expression to be front and center because what you're calling their attention to is what is the genuine need and desire in there with who you are, not the cookie. It's what is it that you're really, really needing? And you're right. There are things that feel more like um, clear and more tactical, like wanting a treat because there's sugar and sugar creates a feeling inside. But what I'm saying is if you are coming at them from a desire to cultivate their self-expression rather than shutting them down, it becomes yes. about curiosity rather than too inconvenient. I don't have the time. Does that or make sense? Or you're ridiculous for asking. You're ridiculous for asking. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I think I this is really applicable for me, I think, in um, larger ways, like in, in more emotionally weighted situations. I wonder if my kid asked me when I'm rushing around trying to feed three kids and get them ready for school, if they ask me for a cookie, if I'm going to have the wherewithal in that moment to step back and say, what is it you really want? You know what you I know, mean? I it's different when in- they're crying and sobbing and you're like, yeah. what's going on here? How can I help you? What is, what is your soul telling you? Whereas when they tell me they need a popsicle after they just had a popsicle, I'm like, uh, nope. I think that what's interesting is the take that you are taking with what I'm saying is how do I make sure I don't do this to my children? Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. And I hear you loud and clear on that. I am not saying that we are always going to be able to stop this experience up from of our kids from getting separated from their value and their truth and their divinity because we are still... um, progressing in our own consciousness and our own evolution. And that is just a natural part of what's happening. We're human and we're going to continue to be human. And that human experience is meant to teach them something. And it's going to, you know, help them heal and grow later in their lives. So I don't think there's any way to 100% avoid this experience for them because we are two human beings living under the same roof and you're going to show up as human a lot of the time. I think that's vital for people to understand. Absolutely. Because I think when you're on this self-exploration journey, you probably are highly critical of yourself throughout the journey. Like it's so eye-opening, but you're like, why can't I implement any of this? So I think it's really important to hear that you can't implement it all the time. You know what I mean? And you're learning. You not you and you not implementing it sometimes is a value for your child to learn some other sort of important skill in their life. A hundred percent. Or you'll mess up sometimes and that's okay too. Yes. And that's just reason one, by the way. There's there's two others, right? (laughs) Reason one is this inherent belief that we have to separate from our self-expression. I'll say that from now on to gain the acceptance of the caregiver because the caregiver doesn't quite get us for whatever reason in that moment. As we grow, we enter a world where there is media. And there is 
business and there are yeah. um, other systems, higher education, yeah. very organized religion that require us to conform for those systems to even exist. Totally. And what those systems tell us is you are not enough until you engage within this system in the way we say. So that very first you are not enough seed that starts in your childhood grows because it's there to begin with. And now you have these systems that play on it and say, you want to be enough? Buy this product. You want to be enough? Believe this expert. You want to be enough? Study in this way. You want to be enough? Follow these eight rules to be accepted into our group. So then we're learning even more that the acceptance from the outside, the rules from the outside, the way we're supposed to express ourselves needs to match what we're being told on the outside to be enough. And so what we're being taught is the outside is what you trust, not what's on the inside. Because if you trust what's on the inside, you will not have belonging. You will not have safety. You will not have inclusivity. You have to let go of the self-expression and the truth and assimilate to this system to be valuable. Now that you're saying this, I'm thinking you, you've you often referenced how I have a, a very solid sense of self, um, not to not to yeah. uh, pat myself on I the back, that. but I, I believe it as well. I truly do because I have a solid sense of self. And I'm starting <laughs> to think back now that you're saying this, my parents, not that they were perfect and that my childhood went swimmingly, trust me, there's plenty of nonsense, um, but I never... I don't ever recall feeling that way with my parents. Mm. I always recall them sort of accepting me at each stage, even like in my most like turbulent teen years, I never felt unaccepted by them. They may have been angry with me or unhappy with a decision I made, but not in a like, you need to change, Melissa. It was, it never felt like that to me. It always felt like acceptance to me and love. Yes. And I think that that probably factors into what, that is really profound. I'm a, I'm a, I feel like I say this all the time, but I'm getting the chills a little bit. The message is who you are really is enough. It's okay. So then you yeah. go into the systems and you have the natural ability to look at those systems and be like, wait a minute, but I am enough like I am. So you're not going to convince me that I need to do these things to fit in and get belonging because the foundation is there that says, no, I'm enough. Now, I still will argue there's ways yeah. you have assimilated to some of these systems. Totally. Aging is one of them, right? Like totally. the beauty standards are a way 100%. that you've assimilated and I've assimilated yep. to be 100%. enough. So regardless, I mean, I think that it's so great you bring that up because I think there's listeners who are going to relate to, but I did have the foundation that told me I'm enough, which I think yeah. makes you less likely to feel like you're so open to set the second part of this, which is, you know, these systems telling you to trust them over right. yourself. And I don't never, yeah, I don't never either listen to it. Like you said, I, I'm fall, I fall right into this aging trap. There are plenty of systems that I've ascribed to. Yeah. Even right. though I had a strong sense of self. Right. I'm pretty sure that's what you just said. And I just repeated it. You're welcome, audience. <laughs> Write you that down. You mansplained. No, <laughs> kidding. Um, so, so far, so far, the two reasons have said don't trust self, trust external right. because you right. need to, to be in safety, belonging, and dignity. Now, if you look at intuition, just historically, you have a third layer on top of it, which is that we've been taught that intuition, higher self, connection to things that you cannot see is crazy, is woo-woo, is witchery, is primitive, you know? And this has been going on ever since, I don't know, the dark ages. Right? They burn Which is, people at the stake for this kind of stuff. That is an example of like, there's just something intangible to your knowingness that's not okay. And so we've been taught that our intuition, this invisible sense of knowing is crazy. And when you believe that that's crazy on top of the other two reasons I said, this is why you're disconnected from your higher self and you're disconnected from your um, intuition because there's a lot of evidence in our human world that tells us it's not safe, it's not going to bring about acceptance, and it's not going to bring about love. And we need those things. Although I feel like all I'm doing, I'm not challenging. I'm just trying, as you say things, thoughts come into my Good. mind and they, and they blurt out. I'm not so afraid I'm thinking, of the challenge. I think I it's important actually, because I think these are like um, more meta concepts that require yeah, someone to totally. be like, no, 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 no. Like, let's get real. 
it's very meta for me. And it yeah. brings up a lot of questions because part of me is into it. And part of me is like, wait, what, what's happening? Yeah. Um, and even though we're saying that some people were burned at the stake, now I'm thinking there were people who were revered for these techniques, like yeah. shamans who were intuitive healers. Yeah. They're just intuitive folks. And they yeah. are, people are, they're magnetic. People are drawn to them. Yeah. I mean, even now, like religious leaders, I bet in some regard are intuitive. I bet in a highly intuitive. And that's how they bring people in. There was oh. a period thousands of years ago where rulers had their astrologer. They had their oracle there, right? right? And then we went through a period where after what is called the dark ages in Europe only, um, where there was this great enlightenment in the 1600s, 1700s, where people really wanted to differentiate from that primitiveness. And that's when science really started to explode, right? The scientific age really started to tell people, you either pick science or you pick this woo-woo shit. And if wow. you pick this woo-woo shit, you are primitive, you are part of the dark ages, you are crazy, and then people end up you know, obviously having their lives endangered. And I think what you're seeing now is a resurgence. I think that we talked about this. I think it's going to be on our last episode about how people don't trust religion, organized religion anymore. Yeah. And so they're looking towards spirituality because we all have a sense. We have a knowing because we can hear our higher self that there's something more out there. We know that. We've just forgotten. And we're in the process of remembering. This and is not to say that we don't believe in science. FYI. I mean, <laughs> of course at least for me, science. personally speaking, I very much believe in science. But the two aren't mutually exclusive. No, agreed. And we've been taught that they are. We've Correct. been taught that you have to pick and you don't have to pick. And right. so there's a resurgence now because there's this need to connect to something greater. One and two, again, we're waking up. We are remembering who we are, that we are connected to something larger and connected to each other. I really believe that that's happening in society across the board right now. And we are starting to look around again and say, hold on a minute, Something that I'm experiencing, like a shaman, like astrology, like um, a healer, like an intuitive coach, is reminding me of something core to who I am, and I need more of that. I love that perspective because for me, I've worried so much that like we're all just losing so much control and the society is like unraveling that we're just grasping for straws. So anything that comes up, we're like, oh, let's just try that. But I think that that's a more beautiful perspective that... This is an awakening. Think about a society that's taught you not to trust yourself. It needs to unravel. Totally. You're right. So it is unraveling. And my great hope and belief is that it's unraveling because it's been built on this foundation of power being centralized, power being external, and power and wisdom not being internal. And that is what's unraveling. And it needs to unravel so we can rebuild it from this place of truth about our own power and our own wisdom. Do you feel like you can, if people are not on the spirituality train, um, that's a new, new shirt idea. Get on the spirituality train. Choo choo. Oh, um, choo, choo. Yeah. If okay. you're not on the spirituality train, are you able to tap into your higher? Is it possible mm. to tap into your higher self anyway? Totally. Like if you can't that, get behind that idea yeah. yet, but you yeah. still want to access, can you use your tools? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I coach all kinds of people and some people, you know, aren't open to the words that I use like divinity, right? Because they're like, I don't, I don't believe in that. Okay. Let's just self even this Fine. whole topic. I bet I still am struggling with higher self. I like intuition. Yes. Anyway, continue. Sorry. That's the answer. Fine. I don't care what word you oh. use. Where's your knowing? Is that your intuition? Great. Let's yeah, focus your on your inner knowing because that's what I'm really after. I don't care what you call it. And by the way, your higher self's not offended. Your higher self knows who it's dealing with. Right. So when you're like, I don't believe in you, it's like, cool, I'm still going to send you messages, whatever you've got to wrap right. it in Take to it hear me so that you can thrive and achieve your purpose. I don't care. That's the thing. We ascribe these human attributes to, to our more soulful selves right. and they don't, that's not. That's not real on that side. On that side, it's like, just thrive. Just live your purpose. However you get that message is okay. What, how do you coach people who are like fighting you on it though? If somebody's like, uh, 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 no divinity. Even if you're like, fine, use whatever word. I would imagine they're more combative throughout the process. I no longer, I'm blessed. 
I don't coach people who fight me on it anymore. Oh, nice. I don't. Because they're not ready too. I guess that Correct. means they're just not ready. They're not ready. If, and yeah. that's my hope for the book is that more and more people can have their – I always say I'm a flashlight. My job is to reintroduce you to yourself. That's my job. And like don't go to a doctor if you don't want to take – if you don't want to treat whatever ailment you have. Correct. Yeah. And if and if, if their method isn't something you believe. Right. Right. Don't go to them. Right. Yeah. So I'm in a position where I use my intuition. I do a 30-minute check-in. And when I meet that person, if they don't feel ready to meet, I will tell them, I don't think that this is the work for you or that I'm the guide for you or that this is the method for you. You break up with them? I don't break up with them. I don't want to take them on a journey they're not ready to go on. I'm never going to pull anybody kicking and screaming towards it. They Agreed. Because by the way, it's really, really hard to hear your intuition when you're fighting it. Now, can I show you how to do it if there's an opening? Absolutely. But if you're not open to it, then it's hard to hear it. Even me, and I'm open to your concept, and I I have done some of the work with you, mm-hmm. and I am just generally open to this concept. I still can't hear it a lot. I'm yeah. still struggling a lot. It's like silenced in there. Yeah, because you're on a journey of healing a lot of your limiting belief systems, and they yeah. are very, very loud. And if I can say, we share this in common, yes, you please. have struggled with anxiety, as have I, and your you? anxiety is brilliant and it's loud. Totally. And because it's so loud, it's really hard to hear past it, which is why when people ask me about higher self and intuition, I always start with limiting beliefs because they are the same. They're two different sides of the same coin. Right. They're both speaking to you. One is just trying to help you survive. Those are your limiting beliefs. Right. The other is trying to help you thrive. And it's about making room actually for all of them But the way we make room for the limiting beliefs is by checking in with what they need, not what they're projecting. Do you believe that every single child is born connected to their higher self? Yes. If you're listening, this might be your sign that it's time to reunite. So call Maury at (laughs) 1-800-MAURI helps. No, but just start to be open to it. I think the ways that you can begin to be open to it are by asking yourself these questions. One, do I fully trust my own decisions? Two, do I know what is true for me versus true for someone else? Am I able to weed out or separate the difference between my truth and someone else's truth? Number two. That's really hard. Yeah. Yes. Number three, do I feel an inexplicable pull towards something that I just need to fully lean into and just try to listen to it? Instead of having fear about what it's trying to tell me because I've been taught to fear it, can I just set the fear down just for a minute? You can pick it back up. Just set it down right now. Can you lean into what you're being pulled towards and just hear what it's saying? I always tell people this when they tell me that they're afraid of their intuition. I tell them it's because we believe you have to make a decision based on the information just, you get wow, immediately. I was going to say that. I was going to say that people should take a pause. They just kind of acknowledge whatever that pull is. You don't have to do a thing about it. Just sort of acknowledge it and then let it slowly unfold in whatever way. I will say to this point, I, I can't stop saying it, but I don't know where I land in all of this. Yeah. I know I'm not a firm believer. I'm not an anti-whatever. Um But the way that I have done it is just allowing myself to be more open, hearing what you say and what you do and what I'm hearing from myself with much less judgment. In fact, we may have referenced this on another episode, but there was a time when you just started getting into this work. I don't even remember how long ago this was. And you said something to me. We were out at like a bar and you tell me everything and I tell you everything. And you wanted to say it to me what you were like looking to do, but you said to me, I don't think you're ready to hear it. Yeah. And I was so offended immediately off the bat. Like, what What are you talking about? I'm not ready to hear it. But the reality was I wasn't open at that point. So yeah. if you had said it to me, I would have immediately fought you like with a million examples as to why what you're saying is not true. And yeah. you knew that because you are intuitive. And then by the time I was a little more receptive, we started diving deeper. And I don't even think I started doing work with you until like years Way later. later because I wasn't there. Let me ask you a question. Please we did do. do some work together. We did. And we did some visualizations together. Yes. 
Did that experience change your mind? Yes. How? Um, Because there were things that I saw or experienced during these visualizations that I was unaware of were like um, symbols of other things that I have then looked up and saw in history in the past, this represents this. And I had never known any of that information, but it all came to me in these visualizations. And I was like shook to my core because I didn't even think I could get to a level like that with you. And I will say that one day I've been like um, craving that level of connection that I had in that meditative moment with you. And I haven't been able to achieve it again. And now it's like, it's almost like a drug, like I need that again. Yes. That buzzed feeling, that is your higher self. That is connecting to your divinity. That is connecting to the aspect of you that is so wise that it is sending you signals in a multitude of ways to do a couple of things. One, remind you, you're okay. Number two, you're here for a reason. And if you listen, you'll be guided towards that reason. And number three, you hold immense value. Don't get it twisted. Even if you're in a situation where your value is questioned, your higher self is there to remind you, oh, no, 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 no. You are a sparkling, brilliant, beautiful gem. And that experience is like a buzz when you connect to it. I mean, I would just kind of describe it as it was like, peace. It felt like, Mm. like, uh, like the truest form of like love and support. Yes. That's what it is. It is unconditional love and support. Like unconditional support there. Yes. But I haven't been there since and I would love (laughs) to get there again. Well, it brings me to, you asked me once, um, how this work that I do with people, you know, feels for me. And for the most part, It is so invigorating. I mean, I never, ever thought in a million years that I would be in a situation where I got to guide people to reunite with their truth and their power, ever. Me either. Even meeting you. I knew it about you, but I never thought you would make a career out of it. You did it to me all the time. Yeah. It is such – like, I just – I feel so in my purpose all the time, and I am always shocked at the number of people who want to work with me. I'm so – like, I genuinely feel blessed. And I'm using that not religiously. I genuinely feel so grateful and, and that, that this was this was what I wanted all my life and this is my purpose. And you have a gift. I mean, you're able to do it. You have a real gift for it. Anyone who works with you knows that you have a gift. It's not just me like, you're my best friend. I think you're the best. <laughs> Everybody who works with you is like, you have a gift. I witnessed yes, thank you. a client of yours actually when we were away coming yeah. up and applauding you in the ways that I have. And I was like, wait, you're not even best friends with her. And you feel that way. <laughs> Because you just have a natural talent and intuitive sense. Thank you. I really think my gift is I see everyone's higher self. Which is such a beautiful way to see the world, right? I really do. I see everyone's higher self. And so my job is to show it to you and hold up a mirror. But what I was going to say is thank you for all that. No, no, no. (laughs) As invigorating as it is, as honored as I feel, um, there are moments when people confuse their experience being with their higher self with being with me. I did that most of my life yeah, with you. I know. Yeah. And <laughs> I – Of course you did. It is such the antithesis to my purpose, right? Because my right. entire purpose is you don't need anyone. You, right. you are you are the wisdom. You right. are the magic. And I think that because people have the experience of feeling that way about themselves with me around, some right. people can, can – um, give that experience to being with me rather than their own higher self. And that's something that makes me uncomfortable and feels like work I want to keep doing with people so that they, I I always say to people like success for me looks like you never needing me again in this work. Let me teach you a little lesson here. Okay. I think that a new way for you to see this can be, even though I understand what you're saying, that um, you don't want anyone to say that you're the reason that there are doing what they're doing because you want them to say that they're the reason that they're able to conquer everything. But like, so I can attempt to do all of this self-exploration and whatnot, but to have a guide and like a knowing guide get you there gets you to a different level. Yes. Maybe ultimately if you do it over and over and over, you can get there. My, my the comparison I was going to give was I, I meditate and I, I love to meditate but I'm not great at it, to be honest. But I do have one person who I used to do meditation classes with who could get me to the deepest level of meditation. Like it's like a drug, the deepest level 
that I could get to. And I could never attain that on my own, ever. And when I did it at home, do I believe that I one day could have that ability? Yes, but I can't. So I think that you should see it more as you're like this supportive guide to help them get to that level. That oh, they need I to do. Get to. I see myself as the guide. I'm saying something slightly more nuanced. I'm saying some people confuse me for their higher self. Oh, what you're saying. Yes. Rather than knowing, no, 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 that's your higher self. I'm just able to see it and feel it and tell and you what you I'm bring seeing it out. and hearing. Yeah. I want people to always know it's within them. They don't need me to access that, as you call deep inner peace, unconditional love and support. It is a part of you. Right. Yeah. I love that. That is Thank some you. hippie shit. And I'm here for it. I'm ready to dance naked under the full moon for that, right? Wow. This is what yeah. I mean. See, what? we have been taught that when we talk about this stuff, we have to talk about it like it's hippie dippy. Thank oh, you for bringing that example You're to You're welcome. But for me, if you know me at all, yeah. that is about the highest compliment that is the you best can compliment get. Ever. Like I, my dream is to dance naked under a full moon. So that in wow. no way for me feels woo-woo. That feels like uh, like supercharged to me. I think I think that dream can come true in this lifetime. Me too. I, I will make Feels it pretty come accessible. true. Actually. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I could probably do it like the next full moon. <laughs> you want to join me? Sure. That'll be yes. our next trip <laughs> or our next podcast. It's just us dancing <laughs> naked under a full moon, <laughs> talking. That'll be so fun for people to listen to. Yeah, and watch. That was you took us in a di- different direction. For me, it felt really good. It felt okay, really, good. really good. It. Okay, good. Well, Bean, this was enlightening as always. This was particularly enlightening, I feel like. You know what? Thank you for giving me the space to describe my work, but also for being so honest about where you found snags. I really think that's important. What I don't need is for everyone to agree with me. I need people to examine this and put it through their own filter so that it becomes real for you. So I really think you facilitated that today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. And thank you. And thank you. I'll see you next week, I guess. This has been another episode of Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. This podcast is co-hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and Melissa Gushka. Special thanks to my production team, Anushri Thekajet, Arman Kassam, and Anais Islami. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. See you then. Bye.